Heavenly Father, as we get into your word, Lord, as we finish off this little three-part series, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us, Lord, that it would be your Holy Spirit that would be known here, Lord, that it wouldn't be words of man, but it would be your words, Lord. Lord, just I ask that you just fill this place, Lord, and just speak to us, Lord. Maybe there's some of us here that are uh, facing some difficult times, Lord, or there's some that are needing of encouragement, Lord, or... Lord, maybe there's just some here that just uh, are a little lost, Lord. Or maybe there's some here that don't even know you, Lord. Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just come through here, Lord, and speak to each one of us, Lord. Speak the words that of encouragement to each one of us, Lord, as we need to hear, Lord. Lord, we praise you and thank you for this place. We just thank you for this amazing opportunity to gather together, to fellowship with each other, Lord. That we would just gather, Lord, and just dig deep into your word, Lord. So, Lord, just accept our worship here. As we get into your word, because this is our worship, learning more about you, learning more about who we are in you and what purpose you have for each one of us, Lord. So we love you, Lord. We love you so much, Lord, and we just want to serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is part three of the series, the last one, part three of three. But don't worry, if you haven't been here before, you won't be too lost. We'll do a quick review. So the first one that we looked at, we're going to be in, we were in John chapter 11. So you can start flipping there. John chapter 11. We did John chapter 11 in three parts. And today is the third part. The first one, if you can, you'll look, uh, is verses 1 through 16. And that was called the request. And we saw a request made. Why don't we turn there? We're going to do a you know a quick review. John chapter eleven. Anybody there? Very quick review. We see that there was a man named Lazarus, and he was sick, and he was there with his sisters Mary and Martha. Maybe I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story, and they had sent for Jesus. You can even see here. Uh, Verse 3, 11.3, three, it says the two of them sent a message to Jesus, telling him, requesting him, really telling him that their brother is sick. And it shows here, if you look here at verse 6, uh, Jesus had gotten that message, but Jesus stayed additional two more days. And then when Jesus was finally ready to go, you can see here, you look in verse 8, the disciples objected. They didn't want to go with Jesus back to Bethany, which was right near Jerusalem. Now, they had a pretty good valid reason, because last time they were there with Jesus, they tried to stone them all. So they were a little, probably a little nervous about getting stoned, and, you know, rocks hurt, so they didn't really want to go back. So then Jesus kind of gives them a call to faith. That was the request. He's like, no, we're going to go. And they kind of argued back and forth, you can see. And then finally, you look at verse 14, it says, Jesus had told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, because they thought maybe just Lazarus was just sick. And so Jesus is getting kind of, you know, talking pretty straightforward to them. And finally, in the end of that, uh, the, the request, you see verse 16, as they were arguing, didn't want to go. Finally, Thomas speaks up. He says, let's go to and die with Jesus. Remember that? That's the, that's the coffee cup verse, right? You don't see that on many T-shirts or bookmarks, really, but maybe that's what we should do. So that was interesting. That was the request. And really what it was, it was a call to faith, a call to follow Jesus, and uh, primarily at the disciples at that point. 
So that was uh, part one. And, you know, we saw that Jesus is really calling all of us to have faith, to go into a work that he's called us and them to do. And so the real question is that is what is our response, which we're going to get into that call to faith. But I think you got to look at last week now. We were in verses 17 through 37. A very difficult situation we saw. So Jesus now and the disciples, they went to Bethany. They've they've arrived. And there's a, a discussion with Mary, a discussion with Martha. And, you know, as Jesus is discussing it, you can see in verse 23, he tells her, Martha, that your brother will rise again. Then in verse 24, you can see that Martha kind of understands that, but he, she doesn't quite grasp what Jesus is saying. She's really just thinking of a future promise, not really seeing that Jesus' power is for today. And I think that's an important message that we had to take out of that last week. And as you see it, you know, he asked, he asked Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? And then it gets into verse 33. Uh, you've seen that Jesus was weeping. And he was crying out. Uh, if you look at the words, it was actually a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. And we talked about that last week. Now, this is going on around this funeral that is going on. It's like the fourth or fifth day of this funeral. And they're all there. And they're all weeping. And he's sitting there with Mary and Martha and each different times. And as everyone is weeping, the people thought that maybe Jesus was weeping because of his friend Lazarus had died. And we talked about that I'm sure... I absolutely know this, that Jesus also wept for Mary and Martha as he came alongside them in their grief. But I really believe that wasn't the whole purpose of his grief and the purpose of this scripture being here. That his real grief was their, Jesus grieved their lack of faith. Because in this story, as you read, and we looked at last week, we saw that none of the people there, Mary, Martha, the disciples, anybody, they never even considered that Jesus could fix this situation. They, they, they thought this was too great of a, of a miracle. And so they just wept. And Jesus had told them, he will rise again. And he meant now. But none of them even considered that he could do that. And so I think it was their lack of faith, really, that really caused this deep inside of him. So, difficult situation. Lazarus had been dead four days. Um, we Now, we also learned that, you know, we... As we're called to that faith, even in these difficult situations, we don't have to live with that lack of faith. Um, we can see if we go back, just a quick summary. I mean, I just went over it, but it started with a sickness, and then a death. And then we've seen a promise from Jesus that he would be resurrected, or not re- resurrected, but he would come back to life. And then the story, there's a request we saw, a request, a call to faith. A call to faith in midst of an impossible situation. Now today, we're going to see some responses. Responses from Mary, from Martha, from the people, from the disciples, and Jesus. To this impossible situation, this call of faith. Now, as we look at these different responses, the real question here, I think, for all of us, is what's your response? What's your response to Jesus? So as we look at this, please keep that on your, in back of your mind. Just remember that question. What is your response? 
in the midst of a difficult situation. Because we know what his request is. It's to have faith. So let's, let's begin. we got their Bibles. John chapter 11. We're going to pick up and finish this chapter. We're going to start in verse 38 and 39. There, 38 and 39. Let's start up. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll away the stone. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. You imagine this? Everyone standing there at the entrance of this tomb, weeping, crying, mourning. You imagine the scene that's taking place, especially in the Jewish culture. Then Jesus speaks out, roll the stone aside. It'd be kind of, you imagine that? Think about this. Put yourself at this gravesite, at this funeral. Everybody's crying. I mean, all of us have pretty much been to a funeral. And there's a casket there in today's sense. And then Jesus speaking out, roll the stone aside. That would be, that'd be uh, interesting. I, I mean, today, it'd be like the pastor at the funeral will say, pull the coffin up out of the ground. Let's open it up. I mean, that's what it'd be like. It would just be, it would be just off the wall. It would seem so strange. Wouldn't it? I mean, would you speak up if, like, the pastor did that at a funeral? What would be your response? Someone said, open the casket up. I don't know. Now look at the end of verse 39. What's Mary's response to Jesus? I like the King James version of her response. Lord, by this time he stinketh. Now, before we move on, I, I also want to look at the first part of verse 38. Look at there. You see it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Do you remember why? Remember from last week? We kind of talked about it in our review a little bit. Remember, this is, I believe, he was angry because of their lack of faith. Jesus was angry, yes. Maybe that's some people hear that. They're like, righteous anger. I don't know if I've ever had that, by the way. I'm not sure. I know I've had anger, but true righteous anger? I, I, I don't know if I've ever had that, but Jesus did. Now, we, re- we read last week that a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. I'm sure as Jesus faced this, I'm sure tears flowed from his flowed. I don't doubt that for one minute. I'm sure these tears would have been of deep regret because there nobody expected Jesus to perform this miracle. So is everyone put themselves back in that story. Everybody's back at the funeral. Everybody go back there in your minds. Jesus just, everybody's crying. Everybody's weeping. Jesus just said, roll away the stone. Let's see what's going to happen. Look at verse 40. Jesus responded. This is to Martha when she said the smell would be terrible. Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? Jesus' first response we see here is really to rebuke Martha. Look at that verse again. Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? 
Now, I don't believe it's not if or not Jesus is going to perform that miracle. It's not one way or the other. I believe he was going to perform that miracle. But the real question is, is through faith, when they see this miracle, will they believe that it's from God, and then those that are around him come to surrender their lives to God? I think that's a good question. Will they believe? Will they see God's glory through this miracle that Jesus is about to perform? Do we believe? Do we see God's glory as we look at the world around us? Or do you see something else? I think all of us have witnessed a miracle in some form or another. I would hope. But what's your response when you do witness a miracle? Do you see it as God's glory? And give God credit? Or maybe sometimes we try to explain it away. Or call it a coincidence. Or come up with some explanation of how it happened. It's through this belief and this faith that it enables us to see these miracles and to give God glory for what he's doing around us. Our vision or view of this world around us, sometimes it needs to change. Because there's so many works of God going on all around us every day. And I think we miss a lot of it. We just don't see it. But what do you see? Do you see God's glory or do you see something else? It's through faith that we'll see these miraculous works of God to see these miracles. Without faith, we won't see the works that, are, that God is doing around us. These works, these miracles, they'll be unrecognizable to us. I think in the scripture it's clear that Jesus is saying if you want to see God's glory, you must believe in what you're seeing. And you must also believe in who's doing it. It's God. So the question was, is what's your response? Do you believe? Are you ready? Let's go back to the story. Let's go back to the tomb. Let's see what's going to happen. Look at 41 through 42. So they rolled the stone away. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. So they will believe You sent me. Let's look at this passage. There's a lot here, isn't there? There's a lot just right in these two verses. Why did Jesus ask the people to roll the stone away? Why why didn't he just move it? I mean, obviously he could bring Lazarus back to, to life. Why didn't he just scoot that stone out? Why did he ask the people to move the stone? When I study, I ask questions like this. I... I believe this was a, it was a request by Jesus to move the stone. And I think it shows us an example of how Jesus works in all of our lives. He's asking the people to, in faith, to trust him and take a first step towards the work that he's going to do. Jesus is preparing here to do a miracle. We know how this story works out. But he first asked the people to do the part that they could do. The people, they could move the stone. They couldn't bring the man back to life. We know that. Then Jesus, after the people have moved the stone, is going to do what only Jesus could do. I think this is a pattern that we do see in our own lives, in my lives. I think so often Jesus asked me in my own life to do the part he's asked me to do. 
in faith, in obedience. And then Jesus steps in and in that situation and does what he can do and only he can do. I mean, maybe some of you, has Jesus ever asked you to just to do a simple little thing as crazy as moving a stone? I know he's asked me to do things just as crazy in my life. I'm standing here today. And I did it. And then he, from there, did an amazing miracle and an amazing work. But he asked that little bit of us first. You've got to take that little step of faith. Now, as another question I asked that I read through this passage is, how and why did Jesus pray here? Look at that prayer. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so they will believe you sent me. Now, did Jesus pray for Lazarus to be raised from the dead? No. Jesus' prayer is one of thanks, even before the miracle is performed. He's done this to prove to all that were there who he is. That no one would mistake, as he did this miracle, that it was done through him by God. Jesus, he prayed out loud here. Do you see that? Purposefully. So all the onlookers, all the people, would come to a faith in him. Knowing he was sent by God. His prayer was for the sake of the unbelievers. That they might know that it was God who had sent him. It's an amazing example he gives us here. Think about our own prayers. Do I just give thanks just for the ability to be able to pray to God? Just, do I just give thanks in my prayers just for the ability that God can hear me and receive my prayers? What about my purpose or reason for prayers? Look at that. Is my purpose or reason to pray just to glorify God? Or is my purpose just praying for others to come know who Jesus is? This is Jesus' prayer here. It's pretty amazing. Jesus' character and example to us is shown here. And it shows us that his purpose is to lead people to know about the hope that they can have in him. That they would come to know through faith who he is. Let's go back to the funeral. Everyone, ready? We're all going to go back there. All of you standing, everyone standing at the tomb again, looking, looking. What do you see? What's Jesus going to do? We all know the story. Look at 43 and 44. Let me find my place here. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Do you see that Jesus called Lazarus by name? Lazarus, come out. Why did he do that? He could have just said, come out, couldn't he? Why, why do he say, Lazarus, come out? I mean, we're all in the graveyard, right? There's a lot of graves around. What would have happened if Jesus just said, come out? What do you think? I'm kind of being funny, but could you imagine all them dead people coming out in life? 
He just called Lazarus. It was just Lazarus who was supposed to come out. Jesus has that power, though. If he had just said, come out, all of them people could have came out. But it was just Lazarus who was supposed to come out. So it is It's kind of funny when you think about it. You know, it's just a smart comment, kind of. But I, it is also, there's some real fact in that, that Jesus does have that much power. If he spoke to an entire graveyard, come out, they would all came out. And that is the God we serve. But he was just calling Lazarus at this time. It would have been kind of weird, all them people walking around, wouldn't it? Wait, that happened later on, didn't it? So imagine that. Anyways... Let's get back on track. <laughs> so this, this Lazarus, he's, be, he's been given a second chance, right? Jesus has brought this man back from the dead. Um, I look at this, and I was reading a lot on it, and it's, you know, this is an amazing parallel for most of us. Um, that knowing that we were all once dead, and through Jesus, we've all been given life, right? It's a parallel for all of us, being born again. Now, I also find it interesting that this miracle started with Jesus asking them to move the stone. Then, we talked about that, right? He asked that little bit of faith. Go out there, move that stone. Even though they, she barked about it, saying, he shall stinketh. They did it. They moved the stone. Then a miracle was performed. But then at the end, look how it ended. It says, unwrap him and let him go. Again, Jesus is asking them to do something else again after he's performed this miracle. Jesus asked them to affirm, to go up and see what he had done. It's another lesson or parallel here that I I think that you can see after we are born again, just like Lazarus was raised, there's still a lot of work to be done. And other Christians, you know, sometimes got to come around us because, you know, when we get saved, most of us, especially if we're later in life, when we start that new life, Sometimes not everything in our life's in order. There's a lot of things going on. There's parts of us that probably still stink. And we need others to come along and kind of help us. And Lazarus has been brought back to life. And he, but he still would face physical death again. I don't want you guys to mistake that either. So he, this wasn't truly a resurrection. He was brought back to life. There is a difference, but... Uh, let's see. Let's look at the response of the people of this miracle. Let's see what they are going to say about Lazarus now walking around. Look at verse 45. Many of the people who were with there with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. That's great. The entire purpose of this story is wrapped up in this verse. They believed in Jesus. This miracle was performed So everyone would come to know Jesus and see the glory of God. But now, the people had a choice. They've witnessed this miracle. They've seen the power of God through Jesus. But what would their response be? Most of everyone there, they knew the facts about Jesus. They knew now that Jesus could defeat death. This is one thing that man could never do. Would this be enough for them to surrender their lives? We see in this story, some said yes, some said no. I think that's true today. Some people, what about you? What's your response to Jesus? Will you believe in Jesus today? Let's see how some of the other people responded. Look at verse 46. But some, some, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now, Jesus knew this was going to happen. 
Now, when I read this, I also realized that, you know, when you read this, I, I'm not exactly clear, but it doesn't say the believers believed in Jesus and the unbelievers went and ratted Jesus off. That's not what it says. It says some people came to believe Jesus, and then some people went and ratted Jesus off to the religious leaders. So very possibly, some of these people that went and told the religious leaders what Jesus has done, maybe even believed. We're not really sure. It doesn't say for sure, but I wouldn't doubt it because even if they believed, they still had a lot of fear. They didn't understand what was going on. I don't know. I don't think all of them were necessary. Very possibly could have even been some of the people that, you know, they believed in Jesus. Yes, look, he is. And then they went and told the religious leaders. I don't know. It doesn't, you know, I do think there was a lot of people that watched this and started to see Jesus. And I think there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear in what was going on. And as we're going to look at what would the religious leaders response be? I think we're going to see that here in a second. We're going to see fear. Let's look at 47 and 48. Then the leading priest and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. They were scared. They had fear. They had fear that they would lose control and their lives would change radically. It's probably true. Their lives would have changed possibly radically if Rome, because Rome gave them some freedom, gave the Jewish leaders some freedom. As long as the Jewish leadership was kind of quiet and obedient, they had some freedom still to practice. And it was true that as Jesus went through that area and he performed miracles and he taught, it did cause probably some disturbance. You think about that, it would have. These leaders feared that Rome would have displeasure. They would, they would bring additional hardship to their people. They'd even threaten the Jewish leadership in their positions if they weren't doing what the, the Roman people wanted them to do. Now, I think looking at that text, if you look at that, I think the leaders, they had some kind of faith. You look at that. It says, this man certainly performs many miracle, miraculous signs. So there was some kind of faith there. They, some, they, they knew there was something there, but they were unwilling to surrender to that. Their fear was too great. The cost to them seemed too great to surrender and follow Jesus. Wow, they were wrong, weren't they? So wrong. But they didn't see that. Look at 49 and 50. Who was a, Caiaphas, who was a high priest at that time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation to be destroyed. He meant it was better for a revolutionary to die than have the Romans crush the entire Jewish nation. You could argue that point, I guess, right? I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't think he's way off. Maybe. I don't know. Let's continue. look at 51 and 52. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. John points out, and he believed this was prophecy, the author of this book, John. Now, I think it's apparent that the leaders in this situation, they misunderstood. They misunderstood who Jesus was, and they misunderstood Jesus' purpose there. The response of the religious leaders was one of misunderstanding, an unwillingness to surrender because of fear. Now, again, I, I believe they understood and they knew at some level 
who Jesus was. Some level. But their response, they didn't accept it. It is true today, isn't it? Isn't this just the same today? People today are so much just like these religious leaders of that day. Knowing at some level that Jesus is real. Knowing at some level that the gospel is true. Knowing at some level that they are sinners and they are in need of a savior. But in fear, they never surrender and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They believe the cost is too great. That they would lose their lives as they know it. And they're not willing to give that up. It's the same today. It's not changed at all. And just like I just said a while ago, they have it so backwards, don't they? People today, the religious leaders, the cost is too great not to believe. Look at verse 52. I said, look at that. Bring together and unite all the children. What an amazing promise. You see that in verse 52 that God gives us? Amazing. Let's finish up. Let's finish up this passages. We're going to go through 53 all the way to 57. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders begin to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to the place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, What do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. So as we read this scripture, we can see this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. And then he takes a short, brief time to go spend some time with the disciples. It's only weeks away from his crucifixion here. I don't know if you realize how close this is. I, I was looking up the timeline, so you see that you know he went up north. He spent just a short amount of time there with the disciples, and he started his path right immediately right back to Jerusalem for Passover. It's probably a week or two is all this is talking about before the crucifixion. And as we close up today with this three-part series, what was the main lesson out of this entire chapter, John chapter, this in John chapter 11? What was the main lesson? What do you see? Look back at the entire chapter. We took three weeks to go through this. Go all the way, look at, John 11, 1. And just look through there. What do you think it was? As I look through this text, I see one word sticks out more than any. As I turn the page here, it starts even in uh, verse 15. I see the word believe. You see that? Verse 25, I see the word believe. Verse 26, I see the word believe. Verse 26, I see the word believe again. Verse 26, I see the word believe. Verse 27, I see the word believe. 40, I see the word believe. 42, I see the word believe. 45, I see the word believe. 48, I see the word believe. What do you think the main theme of this is? Any guesses? (laughs) Believe, right? Physical or spiritual death is one thing that we can never overcome on our own. It is only through Jesus Christ, through his faith in him, that we can have eternal life and overcome death. So what is the response in this story? That's the title of this message today. What is the response? What was everyone else's response? What's your response today? We can look at this experience of Lazarus, and we can see this illustration of what happens. 
use this as an illustration of what happens to a sinner when he trusts the Savior. We talked about that, how he was born again. He was brought back to life. Lazarus was dead. But through Jesus, he was brought back alive. Now, when he was dead, a sinner, I mean, it's like us when we were a sinner. Lazarus was dead, and when we, before we know Jesus, before we are born again, we are also dead. Now, Lazarus was in that tomb at least four days, maybe more. He was decayed because of death. You know, when we are living a life of sin, we also are in in a stage of decay. But it was through Jesus that brought him back. Now, all people that do not know Jesus are spiritually dead. But some of us go down deeper paths than others. Some of us are more decayed than others. But I'll tell you, maybe some of us have, you know, a little stranger testimonies. But spiritually dead is spiritual dead. There's no difference. Dead is dead. There's no, no person is more dead than another person, no matter what their path was. I read one commentary, and I'd like to share it with this and kind of close up with this. He said it this way. When you are sick, you want a doctor, not a medical book or a formula. When you are being sued, you want a lawyer, not the law book. Likewise, when you faced your last enemy, death, you want the Savior, not a doctrine written in a book. When you belong to Jesus, you have all you will ever need in life, death, time, or eternity, if you will believe. So the question was, what's your response? And the whole purpose of this is to believe, to come to faith in Jesus. And asking yourself, do you belong to Jesus? I know it's a simple question, but we saw also when we look back, Martha and Mary, they said they believed, right? But their faith, on a daily basis, they just, they weren't living in that each and every day. They were only looking towards the future, which is, it's the truth, what they said. He will rise again, Lazarus. But we need to live this out every single day when we wake up and get out of bed. And sometimes that's difficult. I know that we were talking about this here as they were facing an extreme situation. Their brother had died and been dead. Many of us face extreme situations that seem impossible. This is when we're to have faith. So as we end this in chapter John chapter 11, it's about believing. It's about having faith in Jesus. And this is what grieved Jesus is that many of the people did not believe in who he was and what he could do. And so I just pray, I'm going to pray in a second, and the worship team could head up right now, be great, that we would have a faith that Jesus would not grieve and weep over, but would celebrate over. So join me in prayer. If the worship team could please come up. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. Lord, as we see this miracle that you performed, Lord, and how you want to do this work in this family's lives, Lord, how you brought their brother back to them, Lord, we see this as a parallel in our own lives, Lord, as we have loved ones too, Lord, that are not saved, Lord, they're not born again, Lord, and you want to do a work in their lives, Lord. And we need to remain in faith in you, Lord, knowing that no matter how far gone they are, no matter how far decayed in their sin that they are, Lord, that you can raise them again, Lord, raise them to a new life in you, in Christ Jesus, Lord. And Lord, no matter... What, how bad that situation seems, Lord. There's always hope in you, Lord. You can perform a miracle when it would just seem absolutely impossible, Lord. So this is the heart, the faith that we want to have today, Lord. That each day that we would get up, we would recognize and understand the, how great the God is that we serve, Lord. That there is nothing ever too big for you, Lord. And we would never, ever 
want to be in that position where we go, this is too big for you, God. Lord, each day and every day, Lord, we just turn this over to you, Lord, and understand that you want to do great things, Lord. And we just have faith in that, Lord. And sometimes when we see these things happen, Lord, and we don't understand why, we still want to remain strong in our faith because sometimes, Lord, there's, there's plans outside of our understanding, Lord. But we know, Lord, you are our Savior, Lord, and you are the one that we worship today. You are the one that we believe in, that we rest in, and that we look toward and upon, Lord. So just accept us today in our worship today as we study your word, Lord. As we close out today, Lord, and we go out through that, throughout this week, Lord, let, let us see everyone with that same faith, knowing that you can do a miracle in any one of their lives, Lord, that you can just change them radically, Lord, no matter how far gone they were, no matter how far decayed they were, Lord, that you can get a hold of them and do something that would make everyone just an astonishment, Lord. And you do this for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, we love you. We praise you and thank you for this time, Lord. We just pray that we all have a wonderful week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.